the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Aren't you glad you're in the house of the Lord? I love this place. Spent a lot of time here myself. Well, welcome, everybody. How's your week going so far? That's exactly why you need to be here tonight, isn't it? To shake off all the contaminants, all the things that's clinging to you. You know, 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. Aren't you glad that you serve a powerful gospel? One that has the power to change lives, including your own? We're not serving a weak gospel with no power, just some, we're not just teaching a self-help class. We're not just giving you a bunch of knowledge and ten keys to this, but we're, we're speaking the words of God Almighty who, who are infused with power. When he said, let there be light, buddy, there was light. He sent his word to heal us. Whatever he sends his word to do, what happens? It gets done. We are speaking the word of God. The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. (laughs) It's living by God's power. It's living. It's determining I'm going to live by the power of God. I'm not going to do things on my own. I'm going to trust in God. Had a good conversation with Van today, and he's doing just that. He, he's got me excited about that. Anyway, we've been on this series for nine weeks now. This is the 10th week called Bigger on the Inside. I think we could just keep going because just about everything that you read in the Word of God makes you bigger on the inside. So it's been all over the place. Let me recap what we've had, but because tonight I'm going to close the series and we're going to move on to something next week, I believe. So this will be the final uh, installment, but... The first week, you may remember some of these. Ditching the slave mentality. You remember they came out of Egypt and they had a slave mentality and they couldn't go into the promised land because they were still thinking that we're grasshoppers. So we we talked about that. The second week, it was maximizing your 24 because we're all given 24 hours to get our stuff done. And so we talked about practical ways and godly ways that we can make the most of every hour that we have. Then the third week, we talked about a new sheriff in town. You remember that one? It was just saying, surrender to God's will. Go and let him, let him wear the star. Let him tote the gun, and you, <laughs> you just say, yes, sir. Then the fourth week was weeding out the junk in our lives. You've got to get the junk out if you're going to get something in, right? Uh, the fifth week was finding our true north. It was just talking about embracing the truth. The sixth week was praising the power down. Do you remember any of these? The seventh was being the adult in the room. 
being, being the bigger person in every situation. Letting, you know, being uh, the person that doesn't join in the gossip and, and doesn't rail back when somebody says something to them. But they're the bigger person. They're like the adult in the room where everybody else, you know, behaves like children sometimes. Two weeks ago, it was on remaining prunable. And I think I made that word up, prunable. But it was talking about, you know, you can't grow until you prune some of the dead stuff off. But if you, prune, if you allow God to prune you, you'll grow big. And then last week was don't be an ostrich. You remember that? Uh, don't block out the importance of eternity, the, the things that we talk about. Now, tonight, anybody eat Lucky Charms? Lucky Charms have got those little colorful marshmallow things in it. And every time I eat them, I start off just eating like regular, you know, like in my big Jethro bowl, and I'm eating. But somewhere along the line, I say, man, the marshmallows taste so good, so I start picking out all the oats and, just, and trying to get a spoonful of nothing, whatever their oats or whatever, and I'm trying to eat them. So at the end, I have this colorful milk with this sweet taste and all these floating marshmallows. I was saving the best for last. That's the title of tonight's message. Say, saving the best for last. Now, I had some girlfriends before I met Angie, but I was saving the best for last. Y'all help me. I had a job before this job, but I was saving the best for last. I was good looking before, but now I'm saving the best for last. There was a time I didn't know Jesus, but I was saving the best for last. You remember when uh, Jesus turned the water into wine at that wedding? And they drew some out and they brought it to the master of the ceremonies. And he drank it and he said, this is, you know, this is wonderful. He said, most people, you know, they bring the best stuff out first, but when everybody gets drunk, then they bring out the cheap stuff. But you have saved the best for last. So tonight we're going to talk about some new wine. Because <laughs> we're talking about saving the best for last. The Holy Spirit. Mm. How many want some of that new wine? All right. Holy Spirit come. A guy named John Bloom he asked some questions I thought was worth repeating. He said, do you feel dry? Do you feel weary? Are you tired of talking so much about a, a glorious theology but not really experiencing any of it? Hello. I mean, sometimes we talk a good Christian game. We know all the Christianese, and we say all the right things. <laughs> Does your worship feel distracted and hollow? Are you lacking in gratitude to God when you used to everything? You was just you had this, you walked around, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Lord. You were so excited, but now it's like, Lord help us. I I I have to answer the question honestly before you tonight. I have been a little dry lately. Feeling just a little dry. He goes on to say, 
then you're a good candidate for a fresh feeling, filling of the Holy Spirit. He said, your dryness and discouragement may, in fact, be invitations from God to press into him. I've learned that. There have been times in my walk where I've been so close with the Lord and I could just feel his presence everywhere I go and I just tear up and, and cry like a baby at commercials and stuff, you know. And I feel so tender towards God. And then there's other times it's like, God, are you even out there? You know, it, it feels like he's far away. And, it, it doesn't, and sometimes it's not feels like anything I've done. But I thank God lets you experience a little dryness. He, he lets you go through the valley sometimes to, make, to, is to get you to press back in because sometimes we need to press back in. And what could make you bigger on the inside than more of God in you? To be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you see, I saved the best for last. I mean, the obvious thing, when, when you talk about being bigger on the inside, the first thing that if you would think about it was, what could be bigger than being filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with God's power? So let me ask you a question. What is the Holy Spirit? Anybody? Ah, wrong. <laughs> Nobody answered that. That's good. You know why? Because that's a wrong premise. That question is asked in a wrong premise. It's not what is the Holy Spirit. It is who is the Holy Spirit. He's not a what. He's not a it. He is a person. And the Bible says he will teach you all things in John 14. In Romans 8 it says the Spirit himself intercedes for us. So it's a he, it's a himself. It, the Holy Spirit is not some mystical force, not some holy fog that may enter into the room, but he is a person and he's one of the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That makes him just as much God as Jesus, just as much God as the Father. You know, sometimes we pray to the Father in Jesus' name, but sometimes we just leave out the Holy Spirit. I, I believe a lot of Christians don't really understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But He is the one that is down here with us. We really need to know more about who we're talking to. And He has feelings. Did you know that? He's, he's not, like a, not some force. Like I said, He is a person of the Holy Ghost, and He has feelings. The Bible says that He can be grieved. That's a feeling. That's an emotion. I think about Samson. You know, Samson, he was in the Old Testament, but he was anointed mightily with the power of God. The Holy Spirit had come upon him, and he would take the gates off the city and, you know, run them up the hill, you know, and he's just incredibly strong. He would kill, you know, hundreds of Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey and all these amazing feats that he would do. But on the other hand, he wasn't living right. He was using the Holy Spirit that he had for wrong purposes. He was doing a lot of womanizing. He wasn't living up to his vows. And he thought everything was cool. He thought it was, everything was just going good. And, and uh, every time he needed his strength, every time somebody would attack him, the devil would come. He would jump up, whoop them all, and it wouldn't be no big deal. He just began to take the anointing, the Holy Spirit of God, for granted. Then one day, guess what happened? 
he's got his head in Delilah's lap, and the enemy comes from him for him. And uh, I guess the Holy Spirit had been grieved enough and had left him, and he got his eyes poked out. And then he went into slavery. We don't want that to happen. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Spirit of the Lord. Mm -hmm. It's in the song too. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, we live in America, so we're so used to freedom. We, it's almost like we take it for granted. Oh, yeah, oh, I was born free. You know, I'm free, 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 free. Everything's free. We've got free stuff, you know. What other nation gives away free stuff? You know, we got free everywhere we turn. Nothing's really free. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I just like to be in his presence. Because if I come into his presence bound up, if I come into his presence with anxieties, worries, cares, fears, anger, all these things, I have learned when I feel those things in my life, man, I run to the altar here or I go outside and go walking with the Lord. I have to go where the Spirit of the Lord is and find peace. You know, the Holy Spirit's also called the comforter. He comforts you. He's the counselor. He's the advocate. He's the teacher. He's called the convictor of sin. He's the revealer. He's the guide, the intercessor. He's our deposit. You know, we're sealed with a holy calling. We're sealed to the day of redemption by the Holy Ghost. He has sealed you and marked you as his own. That's pretty awesome. He's the spirit of truth and the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ. These are things he's called in the Bible. And he's the author of Scripture. He wrote the world's bestseller. <laughs> really, it is. You look at Barnes & Noble or whatever, they'll tell you the Bible is the number one bestseller. And it was written by the Holy Spirit. He was the one that hovered over the waters in Genesis 1 when the earth was without void, I mean, without form and void. He was the one hovered over the, the oceans. And when God said, let there be light, boom, he was the power of God to make it happen. Have you ever studied the stars and how far galaxies are away? And it's scary. It's, it's scary awesome. To think that God spoke, and, it's, and they have begun to realize that it's still expanding. When he spoke, it, it went into existence, and it's still expanding today. Thousands, billions, and trillions, and, and words that I can't even pronounce and probably have no words for of light years away. In Luke 24, Jesus calls him the power from on high. He is the power of God. In John 16, Jesus says that it's better that I go away because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. I'm thinking, if I would have been one of the disciples, I'd have been like them. No, no, we're just fine with you, Jesus. We don't know this Holy Spirit guy, but we're, we're cool with you. I mean, 
You're feeding the multitudes. You're walking on water. You're raising the dead. I think you're everything we need. But Jesus said, it's better that I go away because I'll send the Holy Spirit to you. Who is this Holy Spirit we're talking about? Do you have him in your heart? Do you have him with you? Do you understand who he is? Do you know him? Have you had a conversation with him today? Romans 8, verse 11. If you'll turn there. It says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. First of all, it says he's the Spirit of God. And we know from John chapter 4, it says that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And he is the Spirit of God. Pretty awesome. The Spirit of God who raised a man from the dead. Cracked the wall between death, hell, and the grave and said, come on out. Opened up the tomb. Move the rock. The grave can't hold him. Death can't stop him. Look out. The Holy Spirit is on the scene. And he lives in the believer. The same one. The same one. Not a little miniature version. We'll give you just a little piece. We have a bunch of baby uh, Holy Spirits that we're growing over here, and we'll let you have. No. The same power that created the universe and rose a man from the dead is in you if you have Jesus as your Lord. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. I've experienced death and life in my 51 years. I lived a lot of years in death. You know, maybe not physical death, but in darkness. I like life a lot better. I, I, I like peace and joy and, and all the things that life means. Not, not decaying, not... Mm, Does that make sense? <laughs> life. I, li- I like life. And, and I have all the life that I could ever desire. I couldn't plumb the depths of all the life that is in me right now in the Holy Spirit. It's, it don't matter where you've been, how dead you have lived. If it raised Jesus from the dead, it'll raise, he will raise you from that spiritual death. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, and this is God in the Old Testament. He's he's making a prophecy about what he's going to do. And guess what? That day has already arrived for us. He says, verse 26, and I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender and responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey all my regulations. He's saying that 
the old way is past. The old man, let's keep him in the grave because now you're going to live. Now you're going to obey my regulations and my commands. Now you're going to do the things. You're going to be the person that you always wished that you could have been, but you never were. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you ain't been saved that long. Some of you walked a good many years on this earth knowing that you wish you would stop hurting everybody around you, but you can't shut your mouth up. Knowing that you're hurting everybody around you, knowing that you're getting yourself in debt. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But now, that stony, stubborn heart that kept you captive, that pushed away life, pushed away God, don't want that, don't want that, pushed away love, hurt people, was hurt by people, easily offended, all those things. Man, that stony, stubborn heart is removed, and you've been given a tender heart and a responsive heart. What is it responsive to? The Spirit of God. You know what it says? That you can't even understand the Bible unless you have the Spirit of God. It must be spiritually discerned. That's why you used to read the Bible and say, I'm going to be a better person. And you started in Genesis because you started at the beginning of the book, right? And you made it through the first chapter and said, this doesn't make any sense. And you quit. Because it didn't make any sense to a stony, stubborn heart. It, It must be spiritually discerned. And this is what happens to people when they're born again. It's what happens to people when they've received their salvation. They've got right with God by trusting in Jesus. However you want to say it. Spiritual things must be spiritually discerned. Uh, The Bible is foolishness to the unbeliever. Mm Mm-hmm. Well... Yeah, well, we're not talking about the translation so much. Because I started with the King James, and I love the King James, because I was, once I, my, my heart, I got a new heart, I wanted to try that booger out. I, I was interested in trying this new heart out, and this scripture began, began to be alive unto me. I began to look at it, and it was like, it was, that thing's coming off the page. It's, it's not just, whoo, this I feel alive. I, I, was, I was feeding my spirit. I was growing, and I still am today. The same scriptures still excite me. And it, it came alive. And it didn't matter if, matter if it was the King James or the NIV or the NLT or, or whatever you happen to be reading from, as long as it's an you know, accepted translation of the Bible. But it should come alive to you now. The principles, the concepts, the things God is speaking to. See, Jesus only spoke in parables. To the crowds, he said that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not hear. Because he's not giving out his wisdom to just anybody. He said uh, he he thanks God that God reveals it to babes and, and to the ones who are longing after the word of God. He hides it from those who would, you know, treat it 
like a swine would treat a string of pearls. Does that make any sense? <clears throat> but when you get right with Jesus, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all sh share that same spirit. See, there's only one spirit. That's what makes us so close. That's why we love each other, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we don't even know each other. That's why I can, I can see a brother from Bangladesh. <laughs> Still stuck on Bangladesh. Never met him in my life, but if, if, I, if I know he's a Christian, there's a connection. Because we're partaking of the same spirit. There's not a bunch of, you don't have your own Holy Spirit, and you have, there's one Holy Spirit, and he fills us all, and he connects us all. And he brings life to us all. And we've been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. And when we get saved, we are baptized into that spirit. Isn't that what it says? Baptized into one body by one spirit. We're baptized into the body of Christ. We're baptized into the Holy Spirit. But after that, the way I understand it, is that we need to be baptized with him. What are you talking about, Pastor? We're baptized into him during salvation. We're in him. We're in Christ. But now, he needs to be baptized into us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. A subsequent baptism after the salvation experience. Do you believe that? Let's turn to Acts chapter 8. There's a lot, of, a lot of people that don't believe that. They believe that you get all the Holy Spirit that you're going to get when you get saved. But let's look at Acts chapter 8, and we'll go to verse 14. <clears throat> when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, so these are people who had what? Accepted God's message, so that you would call them believers. They sent Peter and John there, and as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these what? New believers. So it's, it's twice established here on, that these are believers that they're talking with. They prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. If you got it when you was saved, why are they now afterwards praying for them to receive it? The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. These are believers. These are people who had accepted God's message. These are people who had already been water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Turn to Acts 19. 
Verse 1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several what? My, my Bible says believers, what was your say? Disciples. disciples. That's even stronger than a believer. If you're a disciple of Jesus, that means you're already in the process of being discipled. You're, you're, you're already on that wheel. And you're already going. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So these are people who had received the gift of salvation, but had no clue about the Holy Spirit. Hey, if that's you, don't feel bad. You're living in a nation where probably 90% of the believers in America don't care anything about the Holy Spirit, don't want to know anything about the Holy Spirit. It spooks them. He said, then what baptism did you experience? And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. So you see here, twice, the apostles laid hands on people who were already believers that they might receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And in this instance, they spoke in other tongues and magnified God, prophesied. <clears throat> they said, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. There is. There is a Holy Spirit. It's our responsibility to get filled and to stay filled. Your salvation is a one-time thing. If there's true repentance in your heart, then you're baptized into the Holy Spirit, into the Lord Jesus. But it's your responsibility to, to fill yourself to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. And it's a continual filling. Paul writes to uh, the church in Ephesus, to Christians. He writes to the Christian church in Ephesus in Ephesians 5.18. He said, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, I believe that word be filled means be being filled. That means a continual process of being filled what does that really look like I can't describe it I can tell you I know when I've been filled with the Holy Spirit when I'm I'm alive with the presence of God and when I've let myself drain I don't I don't know how that works whether we leak or and I don't know how the Holy Spirit fills us and how, how the whole thing works. But I know we're to be being filled 
with the Holy Spirit. You have to welcome him in. You have to, you have to desire him. You have to say, feel me again. You have to spend time with him. You have to desire this. This is something God wants for you. This is the power of God. You want life instead of death? Then you have to choose life. You have to choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is something God gave you the option. And it, it breaks my heart to see whole denominations and, and people all over the United States and around the world, frankly, who reject the Holy Spirit. They want Jesus, they want salvation, and they understand that, but they push back anything that spooks them. Because maybe in the King James it called him the Holy Ghost. woo <laughs> And they think of him as a mystical force in a, in a fog or something. And they don't understand spiritual things. They're carnally minded. And the Bible says to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Do you see? To be spiritually minded. But we're scared of spiritual things because we can't see it and we can't touch it and we can't feel it. And, and what, if, what if I get the wrong thing? And, and we, we don't understand. Things that we don't understand we run from. But God says, man, if you ask me for a loaf of bread, I'm not going to give you a stone. If you ask me for a fish, I'm not going to give you a scorpion. If you're honest and, and go to God and say, God, I want to be filled with you, he's not going to fill you with demon spirits. You know you can trust God. And he will fill you with his presence he wants you to be filled more than you want to be filled he's just but he this is one of those things that he will hold back to see if you want him he said if you search for me with your whole heart you will find me didn't he say that god loves for you to be pursu pursuing him he never forces his will on you. He always gives you the option. He gave you free will, and he, he respects your right, even if you don't want him. If you say, no, you know, I, I'm saved, and I got my ticket to heaven, and I can do just fine in my flesh, and you just live a, a life with no abundance, a life with no life, <laughs> a life with out the power of God. Do you guys really believe that we'll be a church that plants churches all over the world from this little seed right here in our own natural strength? There's no way. I can't even put together a Wednesday night message in my own strength. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to do. I don't want my results. I want God's results, and I know you do too. What are the benefits? Well, the Holy Spirit is what, like I said, what helps us to be the people we want to be and to stop being knuckleheads. But I count on the Holy Spirit for everything. You need the Holy Ghost. Say, you need the Holy Ghost. When you're driving down Goodman Road, you need the Holy Ghost. When you go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and they say, I ran out of chicken, you need the Holy Ghost. 
when you're at the DMV, you need the Holy Ghost, right? <laughs> what, if, what if you got this secret and you're not supposed to tell, but you can't, man, you're busting at the seams and you're about to tell, you need the Holy Ghost. What if you're doing your taxes, tax season, and all you got to do is you're one click away from sending something that's going to steal you a bunch of money. Help me, Holy Ghost. Help me. Help me do my taxes. Help me do right. Help me not cheat the government. Help me make right decisions in my life. When you're on some diet and some fool come busting in with some box of Krispy Kremes, <laughs> you need the Holy Ghost. He gives you power to carry out what the Spirit wants to do instead of what your flesh wants to do. There is a battle going on for who you become. Your flesh will take you down to depths that you, you never dreamed if you allow it to rule your life. But if you are ruled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, you can tell the flesh to stay in the grave because I've done buried that old man and I'm alive to Christ and I'm going to live. By the power of God, I'm going to live. I determine. I, I, I got the same power in me that raised Christ from the dead. He's raising my mortal body every morning at 6.30. My flesh just wants to keep on sleeping. You'll either live by the Spirit or you'll die by the flesh. Bit by bit, little by little. Galatians 5.16 says, walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, Galatians, when I think of the book of Galatians, I think that mostly it's talking about people who were saved by grace, by God's grace, his unmerited favor, something they didn't deserve, and he saved them, but then they want to live like they got to obey the law, like they're working for their salvation. That's what Galatians is talking about. You're not supposed to try to earn your salvation. It's a free gift. You need to live in your salvation. But the, and here in Galatians 5.16, it's talking about, it's dealing with those who were made alive by the Spirit, but just still want to walk in the flesh. Why would you do that? It was the Spirit that made you alive. He didn't give you a new flesh. He gave you a new spirit. So why would you want to walk in the same old flesh you had before you got this new life? Man, I'm preaching real good. I don't even know where it's coming from. I know. It ain't me. It ain't the flesh. <laughs> thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Let's just thank him for a minute. Thank you for giving pastor something to say, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So why do we have such a hard time with spiritual matters? Our flesh don't understand it. We're a little hesitant. We're a little spooked. But our God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You're in the flesh now, but one day you're going to be given a new immortal body. One day you're going to be alive with 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 the Spirit like never before. And you might as well get used to it now. We're still, we're still bound by gravity. 
as I can test to the baggage under my eyes and wrinkles and that, that gravity has pulled on me all these years. And it's appointed to man once to die. But my judgment's going to be good because of the Holy Spirit. My judgment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in the Spirit until I get there. Amen? I'm going to dance all the way to heaven. One time when I was a teenager, uh, I kind of had a somewhat of a Catholic upbringing. You know, went to church a lot early on when I was a young kid at a Catholic church. Didn't know Jesus or anything, kind of believed in him, but I wouldn't call myself saved or anything. But in my teenage years, Somebody invited me to go to this Pentecostal church. I didn't know nothing about that. I didn't know where I was going. I just went because, you know, he invited us. So we went to this Pentecostal church, and I'm sitting there. I had never heard them play music like that in the church. I was like, these people are like a rock concert in here or whatever, you know. And, and I, would, I, I didn't know what to think. But at, at the, the preaching was fiery, and, you know, it it was like nothing I'd ever heard. You didn't hear that kind of preaching. You know, you got 15 minutes of snippet at, at the Catholic church, which was on a little thing that they told him what to preach. But this guy was coming from his heart. I, he was probably Holy Ghost filled. And to be honest with you, at the end of the service, they called, you know, brought up prayer people and they had called and had some music going. And to me, it was like, what in the world? What in the world? What in the world? You know, I was like, this ain't what, people going up there and and music going on and stuff, and people started praying for people, and it probably they was praying in the Spirit you now. And they was laying hands on, and, and I think one person fell out. And I'm like, I'm like wanting to get up. I got to go, I'll see you. But they called me out. They said, you, boy, come here. And I'm like, huh? I went down there. About five of them got on me. Oh, hundred, 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 hundred. You know, it was getting on me. And put, put hands on me. And I'm like, what? They're touching me. They're touching me. And I couldn't. Th- you know what I got out of that? Nothing. I didn't get nothing out of it because I was so in the flesh. In fact, when I left there, you know what I did? I went home and made fun of them for weeks. I, was, I told everybody, there were three people fell out of the balcony. They didn't even have a balcony. I was making stuff up. I, I was saying they was talking in strange languages and, and touching people and people was falling dead and stuff. And I was just making up a bunch of stuff. In reality, if I would have been in a place where I could just receive, I might have got filled with the Holy Ghost. I might have got saved as a teenager instead of waiting until I was 32 years old. I was probably in a good position. I probably, my heart was probably crying out for what they, but I was so, uh-uh. I didn't understand all that. Where would my life have been if I'd have got saved 15 years earlier? You know? I was there, but I missed my opportunity. And Acts 7.51 says, you, <laughs> you stubborn people, you heathen at heart, death to the truth, must you forever Resist the Holy Spirit. That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. I don't want to be a heathen at heart anymore. Death to the truth. And I don't want to resist the Holy Spirit. 
We weren't meant to live without the Spirit. Jesus didn't do any miracles until he was baptized in the Holy Ghost after he was baptized in water. Peter's shadow used to fall on folks and they would get healed. He was so filled with the Holy Ghost. Peter and John would uh, boldly preach in the name of Jesus to big crowds, little crowds, didn't matter. The same people that, that had Jesus hung on a cross, they stood before them and preached Jesus now that they're filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul, he preached in, under the power of the Holy Ghost. He preached so long that some boy fell out the window on the second story and died while he was preaching. I preached a long time, but I ain't never had nobody fall out on the balcony yet. He preached for three months. I don't know if he did it all at once. But, um, <laughs> but the boy died, and Paul went out there and raised him from the dead. Now, that's not Jesus doing that. That's the Holy Spirit and a, and a disciple, a person like us. Jesus said, the works that I do, greater works than these shall you do also, because I go unto the Father. But guess what? You're not, not going to do it in your own strength. You, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're not hooked up to the vine, you're not getting any juice. The Holy Spirit is your juice. The more Holy Spirit that you have, <laughs> the more power is in your life. You know, like I said, the men wrote this, this number one bestseller by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to win this world for Jesus without it. Galatians 5.22 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And which one of us can't, could, could not use more of each of those? To live in this world that we're living in, to love somebody, to have joy through it, to have peace in these turbulent times, to be able to exhibit patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those who belong to Christ, Christ Jesus, have nailed the passions and the desires of their old dead man, the old sinful nature, to his cross, and they have crucified them there. They said, take it, Jesus. Take my old man. And since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. See, the Holy Spirit is a leader. He leads you into all truth. He takes you somewhere. He'll take you where you need to go, even when you don't know where you need to go. So let's close. If you're okay with living a weak, ineffective life, getting fleshly results, then you'll probably never get to a point where you're desperate enough to ask for the Holy Spirit. You're probably just happy. You're just probably satisfied with, you know, the, living by the TV guide and, and such. You can keep drawing from that natural well and drinking that water that never satisfies if you want to. But see, Jesus has provided a well of living water that will satisfy your soul forever. And I want to drink deep of the Holy Spirit. I'm thirsty for that living water. Jesus said in four, John 4:14, 4, those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh bubbling spring within them and give them eternal life. So as we close this series, God has saved the best for last. And that's you. 
We're in the end times, and he has saved the best for last. But you're going to need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in these end times, since Jesus was resurrected from the dead, made it possible for us to live in this age of grace and this church age in which we live, and we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And before that, man could only have the Holy Spirit upon them, or God could do a special work and they could be filled for a season. But we were not, the curtain had not yet been rent. Our heart was still, had to be protected from a holy God, but now we can be filled. There's nothing separating us from all of God that we want. But he's not going to force himself upon you. It's the greatest gift that ever was given. It's literally God in you. It's God in you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And it's the absolutely the most effective way by far to become bigger on the inside. It's to say, God, fill me with your spirit. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.